Hey everyone, I'm Adam Pascarella, and welcome to episode 14 of The Power of Bold. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of The Power of Bold. I hope everyone's having a great holiday and is psyched for 2018. I know that it's going to be a great year. So I'm excited to share with you my conversation with Dylan Owen, who is a rap artist from New York. Dylan has quite the story. He grew up in Orange County, New York, and started experimenting with music and battle rap at a young age. He continued to improve his craft and released his first EP in 2008. From there, Dylan released several other EPs and albums, including his EP Keep Your Friends Close and There's More to Life. Dylan has landed national TV sync placements in MTV's Miley Cyrus The Movement documentary and Sci-Fi's WWE Smackdown. He was also named a Top 15 Next Big Sound artist by Billboard.com, and he's open for artists like Mac Miller, Wiz Khalifa, Chitty Bang, and Asher Roth. Currently, Dylan is working on his next album, which will be released in the near future. So in our conversation, we talk about Dylan's childhood, how he got into rap, how he thinks about his creative process, how he prepares to go on stage in front of a screaming audience, and his upcoming album, which he's really excited about. So with that said, let's get to the interview. I now like to welcome on the podcast Dylan Owen. Uh, Dylan is a well-known rap artist located in New York City, and we're currently sitting in his studio in Alphabet City. So Dylan, thanks for coming on the podcast, and thanks for uh, inviting me to your studio. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you for having me on. Of course. And so what, to start off, what are you really working on now? What's, what's taking up most of your time? I'm working on a new album now. Uh, that's definitely the main thing. And I'm also working on videos for a lot of the new songs, and um, and it's been it's been a long process. I took a long time to think about these new songs uh, before I even really started writing them. Um, and I'd say I'm sort of I'm like three fourths through the process now. So that that's the main thing I kind of get up every day and work on. Very cool. And so three fourths of the way done. When do you think you'll you'll be ready to to release it? Um, I don't know exactly, but I'd say early, uh, 2018. Oh, very nice. That's very exciting. And we'll make sure to uh, tell our uh, listeners about it when it comes out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you. So I'd like to kind of start out at the beginning, going over your story, how you got into music and, um, and rap and everything like that. So you grew up in upstate New York, right? I think it's Orange County around there. Yep. Orange County, New York. And so when you were a kid, like when did, when did you really start getting into music? Do you have any early memories of that? Yeah, definitely. I have a lot of memories of it. Um, some of my first memories of it, enjoying music were driving to school in my dad's car. He would play mixtapes at the time, burnt CDs. And, um, the Beastie Boys were one of the artists that would always appear again and again. And I just loved hearing those Beastie Boys tracks. Um, so that was, that was like probably the fourth grade. I remembered that as a, mm. a prominent <laughs> experience for some reason. And, but probably around seventh grade, I started writing, little poems and and rhymes um and 
before that I was an avid drawer. I would love to sketch and I was your kind of archetypal like kid alone in his bedroom sketching characters that he would think of in his head and then that sort of formed its way into songwriting like I remember sometimes writing songs in those pads but it wasn't even to music or anything I didn't really relate the two it was just like writing mm-hmm. at the time um, but probably around seventh grade started writing uh, I guess you could call it poetry cool and like what was your your first song do you remember what it was called or or anything like that the first song would be this one called the introduction and mm-hmm. very fitting title for a first song and I remember I recorded it in my mom's house on just one of those performance microphones it sounded awful but i didn't even know at the time and i remember uploading it to my myspace page and it was the first thing i uploaded and i had some lo-fi photo that i took of of myself holding the mic there and i was pretty excited about it and it was the beats for it were like just things i found online and kind of mixed together and I don't know, I just had no idea what I was doing, but it, yeah, it's cool. I still have that recording though. Oh, do you? At the early stage then, it sounded like more you were just experimenting, kind of fooling around and, and trying to learn as, as quickly as possible. Is, is that right? Yeah. It was like, I definitely didn't know anything about the technical side of it in terms of like microphones or how to record or how to get beats or how to find them or anything. I didn't understand any of that stuff. There really was no music scene happening that I knew of in our town at the time. Um, So it was really just me wanting to write and express myself. So I didn't even like equate the idea of me being an artist with the artist that I listened to. It was, Mm. it was just expression. Well, besides the Beastie Boys, who, who else was really inspiring you at that time? At that time, um, I also had a CD of The Shins, the band, um, Mm -hmm. from Seattle. So I had that. That was something I loved. I also had a Block Party CD. I remember that. And if you remember back in this era, it wasn't like now where you have access to so much music. It was like if you have a CD, you really listen to it a lot. And you know every word. You know inside and out. You read the liner notes, all that. So that's the way I was with those CDs. Um and then I got, I'm trying to, trying to think of the exact chronology of them, but I remember getting Black Star, which was most definitely Talib Kweli, mm. getting that CD per, uh, per an older friend's recommendation. He told me he was like, man, just go, just go get this CD. He was, uh, he was really into hip hop. He was very into freestyling. And, um, so he told me that and that was awesome. And then, uh, I also remember getting the black album by Jay-Z and listening to it inside and out. Cool. And, and then the beginning too. So you're, you're getting inspiration from all these other artists out there. Did you really play any instruments or was it more about just rapping, singing? It was just, it was just basically rhyming. It was, it like wasn't even the physical act of, of rapping yet. It was, it was just a writing thing um, and rhyming in my head, but my older brother played guitar and that was a big thing. I looked up to and I just felt like that was something I would never be able to do was actually play an instrument. So it was a very it was a very private thing, very much like something I would do when I got home from school in my own time in my bedroom. Um but then it turned into like rap battling at school and 
being kind of outgoing with it too. So it sort of fulfilled both my introspective and my more outgoing like social side. Yeah. And how did you really transition from simply rhyming into rapping, doing your your rap rap battles? Can you? I think it was from battling. Oh, you yeah. know, it was it was battling, and then we had these things that were they weren't poetry slams, but it was like you had to stand up in front of the class. In this was seventh grade, you had to stand up in front of the class and basically deliver a poem you wrote. And my buddy Austin, who was in the class with me, shout out to A Game, he would write these pieces that would kind of compete with mine and it'd be like this healthy competition thing so mm-hmm. i'd want to get up there and like be able to to do it and have all these rhymes and and i just remember us two like getting super super into it way more than everyone else in the class yeah i remember i i saw a, some documentary some 60 minute piece on eminem and he always said when he was younger he tried to gather up as many words he would read the dictionary like from back to front trying to to get as as much vocabulary into his brain as he could. I think he called it stacking ammo or something like that. And so were you kind of along those lines too, just trying to think of as many rhymes or words that you could use in these rap battles? A little bit, yeah. It was kind of like that. Um, like I really felt like I had to practice and I had to get better. Um, and a lot of the kids, now we're sort of like drifting into high school when when I would, I would get more into battling because I, I basically showed up as a freshman and my older brother had already been in the school and everyone was like, oh, I know his little brother raps, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I had to, um, I kind of really had to show up if I was going to do that because it was all these older kids. So um, I did feel like I had to be polished and come in sounding good. Yeah. yeah. I took it, took it very seriously. <laughs> I'm sure. And, and you could tell in your, your art, your music. And, and so can you talk about how you first started creating your first uh, EP? I think it was in 2008. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's like, right. Um, they were songs that I wrote. I think I first wrote them just on paper. Um, I remember the bedroom I wrote them in and everything. And I didn't really understand the concept of an EP or an album or whatever. But I wrote them and... One of my closest friends, older brothers, um, who now I, I still work with to this day, Devin Arney, he is a jazz guitarist, and he had a microphone, and he had equipment to record, um, and he had a way to make music um, and produce music. So he told me, he's like, hey, man, I can help you out. I can I can record you. So I would show up with some lyrics I had written, and then I would kind of finish them around these beats that he would make. And... It's so funny listening back because I do think the beats fit my personality like still to this day, but back then I had no idea how to even describe what I wanted. You know, it was right. just it was just completely luck of the draw. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um but actually there is one thing though before that that I think inspired it is my older brother's band at the time, they would do the battle of the bands and that was like the big thing in our high school and they they had a trumpet player and it was kind of a ska rock band and they invited me to rap with them when I was a freshman to kind of come out and like pop out at the end of their set. So I did that and I loved it. Like those band practices, I would write so much. I would show up with like five pages of lyrics, like super, super into it. And so then after that, their band didn't really stay together, but the guitarist James, he um, him and I would play open mics and cafes and coffee shops and he would just play acoustic guitar and I would rap over it. So those songs were actually the first ones I recorded mm-hmm. with Devin, but then um me and Devin did more of the like 
more produced stuff right. um, that wasn't just acoustic and vocals. And so, Devin, was he kind of like your first mentor, you'd say? Yeah, that, yeah, that? 100%. Yeah. And at that time, you're releasing or you're recording the, the tracks with him. You're about to release the, the EP into the world. And so what, do, what are you thinking? Are you nervous or excited or a little bit of both? I was completely excited. And I, yeah, I was just like so excited. And I just did everything myself. I would go in. I think I made the artwork in MS Paint, like actually in the program <laughs> MS Paint. And it's a photo of me. And I like somehow blended other photos. It's me in my bedroom with all this writing on the wall behind me. So I did that and I took it to my, my grandpa who owned a print shop locally and he printed out the covers for me and I bought jewel cases and made the CDs and I was just giving them out to everybody I could and playing cafes and playing open mics and trying to sell one here and there for $5, whatever. So that was the way I kind of started building up um, a small amount of music funds that I was then able to use to pay for more recordings and mm -hmm. do it, you know, print better artwork and that kind of stuff. So you're, you're releasing this, this EP in high school. What do, what do your friends or even other people in high school think? Were you, were you really the cool kid now in, in the school or how did that work? You know, I don't know. I don't know what they thought <laughs> of it. I would love to know. I was just so enthusiastic about it that I didn't care what yeah. anybody thought. And I wasn't really going to let anything hold me back. So I just was shown it to as many people as possible. I think, honestly, most people just didn't have context for what it was. Most people didn't listen to underground hip hop in my town. Um, so I think that people were probably just like, he's doing his own thing, you know? Right. Well, I guess, yeah, going along with that. So you're first starting out and, and how do you, how do you really get discovered? I think a lot of entrepreneurs, musicians, creators struggle with this, right? Because there's so much content out there. You only, every person has 16 hours a day of attention, right? And how do you really break into that, especially when you're first starting out and have few to, to little resources? Like, how did you do it? And how could you maybe extrapolate any lessons from that? I think what I did is I just did the only thing I had access to, which was performing locally. So I would play at these open mics and I would, you know, make one friend at one show and then I would play at a coffee shop and invite all my friends and then like maybe make a, a few new connections, whatever. And I kind of did that and tried to build it as much as I could. And then probably around my senior year of high school, I was able to start opening for some more regional acts that were outside of just our town or the neighboring town, whatever. Um, and that allowed me to to just open up my network a bit. And this is still like my space time sort of mm -hmm. at, at this point in time. Like I remember my buddy forced me to make a YouTube page at one point. He's like, dude, you got to like make a YouTube page and upload your stuff on YouTube. Like, and now it's just, that's so obvious if you yeah. like start, you start doing something. But to me, that was just like the last thing on my mind. I really just wanted to express myself and, um, and also document my life. That's like, to this day, the main thing that I try to do with music is just mm -hmm. get everything that I've been through down in song form or on paper and make sure that it's all properly documented the way that I really experience it. Right. And yeah, going back, so you, you start out kind of just at the grassroots level, trying to 
to see one person you see have your music in front of one person then from there just keep going up and up just keep expanding and there's there's really no easy and quick way to to do it right just takes a lot of hard work yeah definitely i think so um i mean at the time though it wasn't even it really wasn't hard work to me it was just that was all that i knew that was Mm -hmm. i was just doing every every opportunity that i had the chance to do like i remember being so hungry to play shows that just anything that came up i would be going to play these shows just at an address that i didn't even know what it was and like there were shows i'd show up and it was like a muddy field with like some guy and you know a a boom box kind of set up like just Mm -hmm. these crazy shows and me and my dj at the time like we just have so many memories of of these hilarious early beginnings (laughs) (laughs) Well, can you, can you share one? Share a story from that? Yeah, like, um, yeah, I'll share one. So one of our favorites is I played at this classic rock festival. And by festival, I mean it was like four people in a backyard type of thing. And I don't think we knew that it was it was a classic rock fest going in. And we just showed up and it was like everybody was like a middle-aged classic rock fan with classic rock t-shirts. And then we're up there doing this indie hip-hop <laughs> it was just like so hilariously out of place mm-hmm. there's a lot of that yeah yeah just a lot of experimentation kind of and just putting yourself out there it seems like yeah yeah, yeah. definitely and so i think in 2009 you release uh, how to stay young that ep and then 2010 is senior writers so how did your style your musical style change between your first ep and those two or did it change at all it really i don't i don't think it really changed at all i think it was just natural like progression me getting a little more comfortable learning to be myself a little bit more um and yeah i don't know i think like during that time too i met nico who still produces um pretty much all my stuff now and i started working with him but like devin was still recording on the tracks and everything so i really don't think it changed too much i think it was just me getting a little bit older me you know, being confident enough to completely be myself and do the style that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you released, I mean, those two EPs pretty quickly, right? One year after the other. And do you think your, I guess maybe your creative process, has it changed at all since since those since that time? I mean, I guess it sh- I'm sure it has. You were in high school and obviously now you're not. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit more in control of it now. I can kind of take the approach I want to take with this song. But I actually purposely like to reignite the way that I originally wrote songs, which was just messing around on a keyboard, messing around on a, on guitar, because I knew how to play a little bit at that point in time in high school, um, and just mess around a little bit and pair that up with some words that I've already thought of, and then kind of fill in the blanks. Um with new words that fit the music and everything and give it a structure, all that kind of stuff. And to this day, that's like still how I set out to write every song. Mm -hmm. And it definitely doesn't go that way every time. Like sometimes it just works better being fully inspired by a beat that's already made or, or sometimes I'll write it completely on guitar, completely on keys, but that's like the baseline of how I still do it. Um, So I think the process has just hopefully has improved Mm -hmm. over time. Right. And so at that time, like I said, you released the Senior Writers EP in 2010, and then you go to to college right after that, right? You go to Cornell. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're there for for how long? 
I was there for one year. One year, and then you decided to come back to, to New York City. So can you talk us through the, the thinking of, of when, you went, when you did that? Yeah, basically, I loved Cornell, and it was, it was really hard to leave there um, because it was a real college experience. You know, it was this beautiful campus and amazing new people and meeting these awesome strangers in my life and everything, but I felt like... I was a little bit incomplete because I wasn't pursuing music as much as I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be living, breathing, and sleeping music. So I was able to do that in New York. Um, so that was kind of the, that was the catalyst for me. Right. And the long-term plan was to stay out in the city here and, you know, just keep improving, keep meeting people and that sort of thing. Yeah, pretty much. I I really didn't have too much of a long-term plan. All I knew was I wanted to... I wanted to keep documenting my life, right? Mm-hmm. And at Cornell, I had gone through um, gone through this breakup with this girl, not someone from Cornell, um, but that basically inspired the whole EP, Keep Your Friends Close, the next one. Right. Um, and so my mission at the time was really just to make Keep Your Friends Close and finish it and put it out. And then I would figure out where to go next from there. And yeah. that's kind of still how not only how I make music, but how I live my life now is I'm just thinking of the project I'm making and I sort of live for that project and then I see it through and then I just figure out what to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a little bit like all or nothing, but that's the way it is. No, but it seems like a good way of you know accomplishing a huge long-term goal, right? You can't just, I guess, shoot for the end right away. You have to break it up into little steps and then accomplish that first step, then the next one. Do you, yeah. do you think of it like that? Yeah, I do. It gets... Um, I get so into the project that I'm working on, um, because it's also my life. So it's like the songs I'm writing about, they're the things that I'm thinking about going through at the time. They're the new experiences that I'm trying to process. And my music helps me work through that stuff. Um, so yeah, I think it's like, sometimes it does sort of just feel like this one big step rather than small. Mm-hmm. steps if that makes any sense and it's it's frustrating sometimes for how long it takes for me to get music out i wish i could just get it out quicker but i think i really feel the most inspired when i've actually have lived through it and i really have something new to say and that's when i really feel motivated enough to put a whole new thing together right and yeah, so I'd like to go back and talk a little bit about Keep Your Friends Close, what you were you were mentioning. And so it seems like after you released that EP, it kind of blew up, right? You were getting all these downloads on, on YouTube and other sites. And then I think you had some TV placements in a Miley Cyrus documentary and a show on sci-fi, I think. So at this time, as you're getting more and more recognition, what's going through your head? I think it was... That stuff was over the period of like a few years. Oh, yeah. So it definitely, nothing ever felt like I was getting a ton of recognition at once or anything like that. Um, like there, there have been little moments here and there where I feel like a lot of fans reaching out. Um, but overall, I just, I'm just kind of uh, hawk-eyed on like the next, the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just really excited about the next project. Um but it was it was so cool that um, keep your friends close. Like one thing I think has been really cool actually with keep your friends close is that I feel like 
people are still discovering it now and reaching out to me about it. And I remember like uploading it on the first day and it wasn't a flood of people discovering it or anything. It's very slow and gradual. And I think that is just how it's meant to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at that point, so you, you built up a fan base before that, obviously, and, and you release that EP and you're releasing music all the time. How do you really juggle the tension between your old fans wanting you to perform in a certain way or, or create music in a certain way versus like you as an artist wanting to go in a different direction? It seems like a lot of musicians and artists kind of face that, that tension or that problem. So how do you, how do you deal with that? I notice a lot of artists I'm a fan of face that for sure. Um, I think I've been lucky because I really like the style of music I already make and that's what I want to keep making. I don't ever see myself as I want to drastically change styles or anything like that. Um, but I think if you were, I think you have nothing to worry about as long as you're giving 110% as an artist and you are being completely honest with what you want to express and how you want to document your life, then it should come out good and mm. it should be something that the fans enjoy. Right. Just, I guess, kind of being just true and honest with them is just the, the best way to go, right? And just being authentic to yourself is. is yeah. Cool. Yeah. I meant like authentic to yourself with your expression when you're making music. Yeah. Um, like, I think the big thing that nobody wants to say is that a lot of artists will change their sound because they think it's going to give them a bigger audience. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's such a arbitrary way of making music. Like, you, I, I don't know. It's just a weird, like, that's weird. It's like yeah. way too businessy. I think you should just be completely honest and express yourself how you really want to. And then that's going to get you where you need to go. Right. And then as I was, you know, researching for this interview, I went on YouTube and looked up a couple of your music videos and I was looking at the comments. It's probably a dangerous thing to do. I don't, I don't know if you look at YouTube comments of, of yourself. I look at them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I saw one where they said, um, surely these lyrics of you will be tattooed on my body. And like, <laughs> what, what do you think of when, when you see that from your really passionate fans that are really into your music? It's incredible. That's really, I don't know what else to say. It's, it's beyond incredible. Um, it really makes me feel like people truly love the lyrics and they connect with them and it means something to them in their life that I'll probably never fully understand. Um, cause when I write them, it means something to me in my life, you know, and it's, it's so cool that it has that other meaning and that other life for them. Um, yeah. So that's incredible. Yeah. And I guess even when you're performing live, which is an entirely different thing, when you see, you know, the audience members and your fans just like repeating the lyrics back to you. That must be such an incredible feeling too. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I definitely remember the first show where that ever happened. Um, cause that wasn't, I remember like that wasn't the case. I felt like nobody, nobody in an audience ever knew me besides my friends for a long time. Um, but then I do remember when people started to know the lyrics, how cool I thought that was. Yeah. And so I guess just even going on that. So when you're going out for a live performance, right, you're, you're in the back and you've opened for a bunch of big acts like Wiz Khalifa, I think, and Mac Miller and some of these other people. And so when you're about to go out in front of, you know, thousands of people, are, are you nervous? Are you excited? Like, what, what are you thinking at that time? I think I'm a little nervous for sure. Um, yeah, I am. I try to practice a lot though, before I have a show before, especially before any type of, um, 
type of like new environment show like that that I haven't done before. Um, yeah, so usually I feel good about the set and I'm really excited about the live set now because now I feel like it finally matches what's in the recordings because I play with uh, trumpet, violin, guitar, keys, um, rather than only DJ. And I think that that definitely like fits more of the instrumentation in the track. So I'm super excited about it now. Yeah, I don't know many rappers that have violins as uh as in the background. <laughs> I love strong. the violin. Yeah, yeah, I think it's awesome. Gabe, Gabe uh, Valley, who plays it for me, he's like unbelievably talented, and he plays on all the recordings too. That's really cool. I guess just performing live. Like, is there any equivalent for for people that aren't artists or that aren't going to be on stage in front of thousands of people? Is there really any equivalent to the feeling you get out there, like in in normal life, or is it just its totally own unique experience? I think if you can think of um, something that you do that you're very proud of and it is something that there's a lot of build up to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's almost this kind of release when you're done Um, or not when you're done, but like when you're doing it. Like giving like even like a presentation in your office. Yeah. Or like like if you remember in school when it's kind of like taking a test in a way, it's like has has that same sort of... um, anticipation and also um you want to do it right and you feel good when it's done that type of thing right do you have any any advice for people that are in a similar situation like that maybe they're anxious or afraid before they go on stage or and perform so do you have any tips for them yeah i would say and i'm definitely still learning too i i have so much to learn about performing but i think something that has helped me out is i try to think about all the different aspects of it so not only think about remembering the words not only think about all that but try to think about everything think about um which way you're going to be facing in the venue and is that like is it going to look weird like think about um you know what you're going to wear think about that kind of stuff and you know don't overthink it like you got to be natural too but it helps to at least think through those things and make sure if you're feeling anxious about it that you have some sort of way that, you know, you can realize like it's going to be okay. So do you visualize before every single uh, performance you have, at least to some extent? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. And that sure. just gets you in the, in the mood and the right mental framework. To, yeah. To that's like, like when I'm practicing, usually that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm just yeah. running through it over and over again in my head and with the live musicians and everything. Right. Just picturing being in the moment and, how I want, how I want it all to be. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'd like to talk about your latest album. There's more to life, which was in, released in 2015. And to, I guess to start off, do you have any interesting stories about how you created that album, or any any stories about the inspiration behind any of the songs? Yeah, definitely. Um, that was made half living here in the city and then half moving back home um, after college and. Yeah, I I was living at home, you know, I was kind of like in this weird place, I think, because a lot of my friends had moved away from our hometown. So there was a lot of thought about how things have changed in our hometown. Um, And then also a lot of thought about New York City life and how it relates to small town life. So that was a lot about what inspired me for it. And the reason why I wanted to call that one an EP rather than a full length album, I felt like I had a lot more to say about my last few years 
on there, but I wanted to just put out an EP so that I could continue working on a kind of like bigger project. So this bigger album that I'm working on now, this is going to have everything I want to say. Oh, cool. And I guess, so how does, how does New York City really inspire you as you go about writing music or, uh, or even performing? How does, how does it inspire you? I think that living in the city is a true test of independence and of, uh, of self-determination. I think the city is a pretty solitary place. Um, it's a pretty lonely place, like everybody says. And so I think it's inspiring because it's challenging. It's like very much real life here. Um, you don't have the uh, comfort of something you're familiar with. You know, it's very yeah. new. And I think for me, it's has been a place where I've been able to spend a lot of time with myself thinking about what I want to write about, what I want to say, mm-hmm. um, and just to live through like some new friendships and new experiences here and, um, and reflect on my past, but also think about the future a bit. So it has been, New York City has definitely sparked something for me. Mm-hmm. So you have that in combination with your, your childhood, you know, Orange, Orange County, New York, your, your upbringing too. Yeah. So you, you rely on both of them as you're going about. Definitely. Yeah. Right. And so for, so for your next album, like you said, you're working on right now. Um, I guess if you had to describe it like in a few words, how would you go about doing that? I would say it is my attempt to cover everything pretty much it's my attempt to cover um pretty much everything i want to say besides a few things um which are i'm leaving for songs like right afterwards which i'm already starting to write too so it's kind of like i have all these different experiences in my head and i want to put them down on paper somehow and so this new album for me is a way of doing that um and i also definitely think it's me being myself to the fullest um, that I can be. I feel very free of any kind of holding back, any kind of like, I need to be a certain genre or whatever. I just feel like I can just be myself. Yeah. Is there any one experience that you're willing to share with us behind uh, one of the songs that you're writing for it? Yeah. Um, Let me think. Yeah, actually, one I can... um, I can talk about is uh, there's one that's going to be a tribute to my grandpa who passed away in uh, in 2015. So that's I kind of like alluded to it on There's More to Life, but there's a there's a full song about that Mm -hmm. on this new one. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. That'll be cool. Yeah, and so I guess compared to years ago, how I know I asked you this question before, but how do you see yourself transforming as an artist for for this upcoming album, or do you see any transformation whatsoever? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Honestly, it's kind of hard for me to say because just of my, my bias or whatever, but I think that I'm, I'm like so curious to show it to other people and see if they perceive it differently. I always think of my music as I'm doing the same thing as always. I'm just, just trying to document new experiences, but same exact way. Um, but of course there are small little changes like recording in a different studio in the city and also recording, um, here in the apartment sometimes in the city. So, you know, there are definitely some like technical changes, but overall I'm just trying to give it a hundred percent, you know, show up and, uh, and just make the best music I can. Yeah. And as you're going about writing your songs and 
you know, it's, it seems like kind of like an, a solitary process to some extent. I guess in the beginning, when you're just trying to find inspiration and trying to get the first couple lyrics down. But then, do you rely on a group of people to, to kind of give you advice, or or how, do, how does that work? Honestly, the only people are just my friends. Um, and I really only, I don't really give them much of a chance. I kind of show it to them once it's already recorded oh, yeah. and already like pretty far <laughs> along. Yeah, because it is, it honestly is very, it's a very solitary process. Right. It's a lot of me just sitting and thinking and... Um, yeah, it's probably like too solitary. I think I've probably a little bit too much alone time, but, uh, yeah, it's a lot. It feels a lot like writing a book or something. Mm-hmm. And do you ever talk to, to Devin to get his, uh, advice on some things? Yeah. Like Devin just played guitar on a new track like two weeks oh, ago. Yeah. yeah. So he, yeah. he's still totally involved. Um, and Nico, my buddy who I mentioned from upstate, uh, he goes by the producer named Skinny Atlas and he is producing all the new beats on the album and he you know him and i talk every day pretty much Mm -hmm. um and he's always working on the production while i'm here working on the lyrics right and sorry to go back you said it's like like writing a book creating an ep or an album so do you start like with chapter one i guess or or do you have like a general outline of how the album's gonna go or is it more of just creating one song and then the next song and then the next one it is kind of like creating one then the next one it's more like that it's not really super planned out um i try to just let it be natural but it weirdly falls into falls together in this way that could be like chapter chapter right um but i mean music is it's of course different than different than a book in that way too like there are you know there are gaps whatever Mm -hmm. and i guess what do you think about creativity in general i I know that you were saying you use your own life and influences as an inspiration but do you try to look for as much originality as possible or or do you think about combining ideas or trying to find some innovation that way or, or how do you think about creativity hmm it's an interesting question I guess I feel like I just try to just do my thing. Um, And it might sound a little stupid, but I try to just let the words just pop into my head. Um, And a lot of times it will be, and I've heard a lot of other people say this too, a lot of times it'll be when you don't expect it. Like I'll be, you know, doing, doing something completely unrelated to music and I'll get a few lyrics that just pop into my head as I'm walking down the street. And those will stick with me. And then I'll be like, hmm, what, what's that about? Why is that popping into my head? And I'll think about the experience. And, you know, from there, it kind of blooms into a song. So I think I just let it come naturally. And that's probably why it takes me like three years to release, <laughs> to release a project. Well, no, I've, I've read up on creativity a little bit too. And it seems like people are the most creative when their subconscious is kind of speaking to them. It's just when they least expect it. You're just so in the weeds of a certain project or, or song as you may be. And then you're just walking down, you know, third Avenue or something and it comes into your head. I so could completely see that. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll get a ton of ideas too. If someone new comes in, let's say to sing on a chorus or to make a collab song or something like that, then it just opens up this whole other door right. of ideas as well. Um, but yeah, I try to, just stay in my own my own box my own creative box yeah what do you think about or do you even consider like the the macro aspect of music so like if you look in like 2010 2011 i I think around then like like edm was becoming really popular and then you'd see some of these like really mainstream artists kind of 
you know, alter their music in a way to embrace those trends. And so do you even consider that at all or does it play? To be honest, I literally don't consider it. No, I don't. And yeah, I just don't. (laughs) It's also like my music tastes don't really consider it either. I'm, I'm just in my own world. I listen to just whatever I'm into at the time. I love researching old music and reading about it, (laughs) reading Mm -hmm. about the history. Like I think I'm, the farthest guy from being interested in types of trends. Um, right. But yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, for me, it's more about like making sure that I'm getting across what I want to. Right. I know you don't, like you said, you don't listen to, or you don't follow current trends, but do you have an opinion on like the state of rap today? Like where, yeah, the genre I mean, is? I'm a huge fan. So yeah. I definitely do. I think that as much as people knock rap nowadays, um, that in the underground nowadays there's amazing amazing music being made and i think people like open mike eagle people like dessa astronautilus chesky those people are making amazing music i think there's a lot of great stuff being created but i do think the challenge now is it's so easy to upload music to the internet that it is very saturated it feels like everyone and their mother has a soundcloud page Right. And so how did you discover those particular artists then? Is it just kind of word of mouth or something else? Yeah, kind of word of mouth and uh, and going to shows too. Mm. Like some of them I would go to a show of someone I'm a fan of and then I'd see the opener and, you know, I think the opener is awesome. Yeah. I guess you mentioned SoundCloud. So I would like to ask you just briefly about just the, the business model of music nowadays. And you have, you know, like these, the Spotify's of the world, SoundCloud, which I guess was struggling or is struggling for a little bit, Apple Music. So it seems like less money is being made on the sale of the tracks themselves and more is um, about like the live performances and, and things like that. And so how do you think about like the current state of the business model of music and how does that play like into your marketing and things like that? Well, I think as um, in completely independent DIY artist, I think I just have to exist in whatever is going on at the time. Um, People seem to be listening to music on Spotify now, so I'm definitely going to make sure I'm on Spotify. But I think when you have people like Taylor Swift, Kanye West, these sort of people, like their decisions influence what everyone is doing. Mm. Um, So I think... I I like to observe. I like to keep track of what's going on, but I try not to get too caught up in it because I think to an extent I have to just do what I'm capable of and I'm, you know, just running on a team of friends. So we really don't like, we're not going to change where people are streaming music or anything like that. So I think for me, I'm just, I'll focus on making the music first and then I'll think about those decisions like when they come up. But usually Honestly, it's like pretty, pretty obvious, like what to do. And there's only like really one choice at a time. Like right now, to be more specific, if you make a music video, it's going to go on YouTube, yeah. you know? So, um, or if you want it to be on Facebook, you'll probably want to upload it to Facebook, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you see any new like, like apps or, or websites uh, for, for music specifically that can help you get the word out or is it? mostly just about Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, these sort of things. Well, yeah, I would say they they do have their ways of helping people discover new music, which is cool. A lot of people lately have been telling me they just found me on Spotify through the the uh, weekly recommendations. Oh, yeah. 
Um, so that's really cool. Um, but I think the more effort the listener puts into actually finding new music, like there's so much out there that you can find. You just look for related artists, look for a label you like, look up the artists on it. Um, you know, you just got to search, just search for it. Right. Just like finding anything else. Right. And just really quick here before we, we end. Um, so like, how does, how does the creative process change? I guess when you're, when you're shooting a music video, you've got a bunch of awesome music videos out there and they, they're so well produced. I, thanks. I, when I was doing my research, I couldn't believe how well produced they were. Oh, thank they're you, they're awesome. So yeah. Shout out to uh, Brian Petrus, who's the director. director yeah. yeah. How, how does, how do you think about that after you've finished writing a song or do you think about it as you're writing a song? It's definitely very visual for me when I'm writing and I have a lot of images already in my head and as much as they're sometimes they're impossible to create but if there's something that can be created I try to start there with the video and then build the rest of the idea around it um, and usually that gives me a really good starting point to come up with the ideas um, and Brian the director brings like these amazing ideas to the table so I think that it's a really good collaboration in that way mm-hmm. um, and once again, I try to just use the resources I have around me. Like those are my little brothers acting in the music videos and all my friends and everything. Like they're all shot in my hometown and we had to like ask the mayor for permission for this, like oh, yeah. that, that kind of stuff. So it's very much just at the end of the day, you know, you only have so many choices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If there was like one song or one music video that you'd recommend the listeners check out, what, what would that be if they haven't if they hadn't heard of you yet? I would say look up There's More to Life. Um, and if you just look up Dylan Owen, There's More to Life on YouTube, you'll see the EP trailer video, which we made to come out before the EP. And I think that's a good example of where things are going to go. Mm-hmm. And then I guess finally, if someone wants to become an artist, like you kind of follow in your footsteps in 2017, soon to be 2018, like, like where would you start? Or, or I guess another way of asking it is if you were, you know, in, in high school now or even in grade school and you could give yourself advice back then, what would you tell yourself? I think my advice would be to only worry about the music, just only worry about the writing and what you know what you want to document and making the best music you can I, I think that's all anyone really needs to worry about and if that's your primary concern then everything else is going to fall into place for you mm-hmm. yeah well that's those are wise words right there and so um where where can people check you out if they want more more information you can look up dylan owen music on any platform social media and they'll find me uh twitter instagram youtube Facebook, SoundCloud, um, any any of that. And cool. definitely let me know if you listen to this. Tweet me, DM me on Instagram, message me on Facebook. Let me know that uh, that you enjoyed it. I love it. Well, Dylan, thank you so much. We really appreciate uh, you taking the time. And we look forward to the new album. It's going to be great, I'm sure. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, pumped to show you, man. Yeah, thanks. That's it for this episode of The Power of Bold. As always, feel free to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or any other podcast directory. We'd also really appreciate if you can submit a review on iTunes. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode or the transcript, head on over to thepowerofbold.com. So once again, thanks for tuning in. See you next time.